Welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I'm Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Yabba-dabba-doo. And Neil Potter. Am I going to do it this time? You bet your ass. In this movie, Harrison Ford is Jack... Ru- I mean, Jack Stanfield. <laughs> <laughs> Now, of course, uh, what all you, all of our, our listeners are probably questioning right now is that in the last episode, I said we were going to uh, review K-19, The Widowmaker. And obviously, there's no Jack Steinfeld in K-19, The Widowmaker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... <laughs> when we went, when we went to try and go watch K nineteen The Widowmaker, uh, we could not. There's no access to this movie. Uh, you cannot rent it. You cannot buy it. The best way to get it is to go to a goddamn half price books and just hope there's a used <laughs> copy for sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it it did show up with one result for streaming, and it was <laughs> CBS All Access or some shit. But and, you know uh, what? Hard <laughs> when no. I looked, you when I looked at CBS All Access, I couldn't find it. Like. Uh, you can yeah. search for their titles without subscribing to it, and it did not show up. Oh, weird. Yeah, it, I, I, it showed as like the CBS channel in Amazon. So yeah. like Amazon lets you get subscriptions to other channels through Amazon Prime. It it just was like we were we got one look at that CBS icon and we were like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Catch it on CBS at seven on February 10th. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyways, moral of the story is get your shit together, Paramount. <laughs> get your love- catalog on streaming services and for the love of God, at least let us buy it. Well, okay? so that that's the thing. Like, didn't this happen with another movie? But then we, we've managed to it was find a, like it was a Julian Moore movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I want to say yeah. it was like a single man or one of those. This is something that I've just never experienced before doing this podcast, but apparently like there's still a there are still people in suits making deals where they think it's in the best interest of their like library of media to make something exclusive to a single place for a limited time mm-hmm. and it's just like you're yeah. not gonna make me Use subscribe DVD to your stores. service <laughs> i'm just gonna <laughs> fucking not watch your movie <laughs> yeah. or worse crackle <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank god it wasn't on crackle uh, uh I, yeah i've seen a lot of movies that like just aren't for rent but you can right. still purchase them on a lot of you know, and then like the exclusive, like it's only on Netflix. Like, you know, I've mm-hmm. seen that a lot, but yeah, it's so weird where it's just like, it's just like, nope, can't do it. Can't, it's not on digital and Best Buys don't exist anymore. So good luck finding a physical copy. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that long walk is basically It'd be really funny if you went to half price books and they had it on the shelf and you go to check out and they're like, ah, nope, sorry. Uh, CBS has a deal right now. <laughs> yeah. They open the box up and there's no disc in it. Yeah, no disc. They're like, you have a case, I guess. But... <laughs> the thing is half price books probably has like a hundred copies. 
this that's the type of the movie <laughs> that, that yeah. like a bunch of people are are like all right this was all right but we're not watching this again right <laughs> like, yeah. let's sell this to half price books uh shout out to half price books you're a very good you're a very good company and i enjoy shopping at your your stores Anyways, we made the executive decision to switch it up, and we are talking about... The thing is, all the listeners know this because the title of the episode is going to say this. <laughs> but anyone who's on the edge of their seat, we are actually talking about the 2006 movie Firewall. It is directed by Richard uh, Lone Crane. It stars Harrison Ford, Virginia Madsen, and Paul Bettany. <laughs> um, according to IMDb, it is about a security specialist is forced into robbing the bank that he's protecting as a bid to pay off his family's ransom. Uh, as always... We'll start with some film trivia about the movie, get into some box office, and we'll dive into a full spoiler-filled discussion on the movie Firewall, and ending with some final thoughts on Harrison Ford and recommendations. So, Tyler, you want to start us off with some film trivia? Absolutely. So each episode I put together four pieces of trivia about our main film and uh, one of them I've made up completely and you guys figure out which one it is. So we'll start with number one. While filming at a luxury house up in Lions Bay for six weeks, the, the house's roof was covered with rain wands and stands and all the windows had special dripping apparatuses hooked up to a fire hydrant outside the property. A sunroof was accidentally left open in a room where they were not filming, and it flooded the first floor. Production continued after fans and dryers were set out for three days. Number two. While filming at the Vancouver International Airport, the set was ready for Harrison Ford, but he was nowhere to be found. The assistant directors went into a frenzy, getting all the crew to look for him, and he was soon found sitting on the baggage conveyor immediately outside the set, going round and round while talking on his cell phone. Number three. <laughs> Number three, Paul Bettany claimed that while filming a fight scene, Harrison Ford insisted that Bettany hit him harder after finding his blows too soft. In exasperation, Bettany finally punched Ford at full strength, to which Ford responded, That's it! <laughs> Number four. <laughs> One of the no, first that's days... a punch. <laughs> <laughs> Number four. One of the first days filming at the cabin location, a crew member was almost bitten by a rattlesnake as he walked along the track to the set. The assistant location manager was called to solve this little problem, as is usual while out on locations. He confronted the snake, picked it up, and after showing, showing it around and having his picture taken with it, walked a ways off the traveled path and set it free. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Neil, which one is the fake? Oh, my God. Um, this is a tough one. Yeah, all of them are <laughs> all absolutely good, right? <laughs> ridiculous. Oh, God. Um, ah, jeez. Ah, so, uh, 
<laughs> I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go blind pick the the second one. I'm just gonna pick the second one. The one where he's uh, riding the conveyor belt baggage <laughs> claim like a merry around. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I could totally see all these being viable, true options, but I'll go with that one. <laughs> all right, Ben. Um, I think I want to say the last one, but uh, can you clarify the the rattlesnake who picked it up? The assistant location <laughs> manager. Assistant location manager. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that one is fake. All right. Well, let's take them in reverse order. Number four, this, the uh, rattlesnake one is true. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yes, uh, there were rattlesnakes on location, and the, uh, the assistant location manager, apparently that was his job to uh, make sure that the cast and crew was safe and just felt comfortable picking them up and showing them around to people, having pictures taken <laughs> with it. Uh, <laughs> no big wow. deal, right? Uh, so, yeah, that one's true. Number three, uh, Paul Bettany claimed while uh, filming the fight scene that he was not punching hard enough, according to Harrison Ford. And w- after he punched Ford at full strength, Ford responded, that's it. And that one is true. So you both of got course. that one right. <laughs> that that one was like so believable to me when I read it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I feel like he's he's done that in every movie he's every been in. single movie yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just turns oh, yeah. out he has a thing for being punched <laughs> yeah yeah and uh, what lies beneath he was like the ghost has to punch me harder <laughs> <laughs> uh number two while filming at the vancouver international airport uh Harrison Ford was found uh, on the baggage conveyor immediately outside the set going round and round and round while on his cell phone and that one is true guys it's true what? it's true uh, <laughs> he's old he that's just a seems like a place that he would sit down and just yeah, make yeah. a phone call I just I love that pic that mental picture of him though like he's old in this movie and I just I love the idea that he was so bored because it was taking him so long to set up the shoot that he just like climbed on top of the baggage claim conveyor and decided to ride it around (laughs) (laughs) my god which means that number one is the fake Uh, yes they uh, did have a bunch of rain in this movie uh, but they did not flood the set uh, they they had six water trucks for the <laughs> downtown sequences where they had to dump water to make the, the streets look wet and then have uh, rain wands from the sky on three whole blocks uh, for those Fuck. like My sequences God. outside the, the hotel and stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, they they really went heavy on the the rain theme for this movie, which to be honest, it actually looked pretty good. Like it was uh, better than most films where you can kind of just tell that they're just like dumping water in this one little area, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. It, it, it was uh, a very wet film. Yeah. That's actually one of my only things I had to write down. And I noticed because it was so distracting is why the fuck is it always raining? It's Seattle. Seattle. In Seattle, man. Whatever. More rain than people. (laughs) That's what they say. (laughs) Uh, Well, after uh, trivia, we're going to get into some box office stuff. We're talking about Firewall, which came out February 10th, 2006. PG-13, hour 45-minute runtime. This had a production budget 
of $50 million and had a domestic opening of $13 million. Has a domestic release of $48 million. Uh, It's only made its money back in the worldwide scope. Uh, worldwide, it's made $82.7 mil, million. Sorry. Ouch. That's wow. yeah. a little surprising because yeah. I didn't – I don't know. Uh, this movie isn't a bad movie. I guess it just didn't get people well, in seats though, huh? Uh, yeah, I can't imagine the word of mouth was incredible for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, uh, yeah, it's not good. I, that's, that's my kind of rough spoiler for this. <laughs> You know, it's funny doing doing this podcast. I think I think a lot of people, myself included, thought that Harrison Ford just kind of vanished for a long time. And then, like, there was a point where he he made a comeback. But honestly, like he's he's been making movies pretty steadily since he started. Yeah, right. uh, There's very few years where there was not a Harrison Ford movie and um, but there's been many years where there has been, there has not been a good Harrison Ford movie. And you know, that's true. I actually have a theory about this. Mm -hmm. I think it, I think it might be because we are like the, the age that we're at is such that those movies he made kind of in that, period we perceive as being his like silent period of filmmaking is because the, he made like he, he the movies we remember from when we were kids are ones we could watch when we were kids like Indiana Jones yes. and yeah. Star Wars and stuff like that but then he went on to make all these like PG-13 and R like kind of thrillers or action movies that were just mediocre and not very exciting and so mm. like they just weren't movies for us at that age because we were in like middle school high school at, or just starting college and like yeah. there were way more exciting options in theaters to go see than that kind of shit around that time so absolutely yeah well speaking of which 2006 <laughs> oh boy does it have some bangers one of Tyler's favorite children of men Ooh. Departed, nice. Casino Royale, The Prestige. It's it's Borat. pronounced departed. <laughs> no, the de- I'm sorry, departed. It's departed. Uh, yeah, The Prestige, Casino Royale, Borat, Pan's Labyrinth. Ooh, Casino Cup- Royale, my favorite. Oh my god, Ooh. that might be my that might be my personal favorite year in films. Like that as a freaking That's- stacked. Yeah, that you do never shut up about Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. So it makes sense. (laughs) Which one is that? Is that the the second one? I have no clue. (laughs) (laughs) It's got the squid face guy in it. I think that's all of them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wait, Dead Man's Chest. That's not the first one, is it? No, that's Chris and the Black Pearl. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. Uh, Yeah, 2006, a good year for movies. Yeah. Some of. Tyler's favorites, um, but it's uh, the fountain. I don't know. Oh yeah, the, fa- the fountain's great. interesting. Yeah, Huge, Mission uh, Impossible three underrated Mission Impossible uh, movie. Yes. If you ask me, dude. I mean, when you get Philip uh, Seymour Hoffman Seymour pulling Hoffman. off a God. mask to reveal he's oh Tom Cruise, holy oh fuck! My holy God. fuck! Spoiler oh alert God. for Mission Impossible three. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I have to go off on a tangent on uh, you mentioned Pan's Labyrinth and it just reminded me of a story uh, when I went to go see that movie in theaters. It was 
my freshman year of college, uh, Ben and I, we both were freshmen. I think that w- I was with you on this you? trip. Okay. Cause I went with, I, I, I specifically remember going with, um, there were three other girls that I went to high school with that went to our college and we decided to like all go out to a movie. And so I, okay, I, I was not, pick. I was not here. Okay, I, I, d- I didn't think so. so. I didn't hang out with girls my first <laughs> <laughs> So they they like were wondering what to go see, and I was like, "Oh, we should definitely go see Pan's Labyrinth. It sounds so cool." <laughs> and it was like only showing in that the Mind Frame Theater, which is like kind of the art house theater in our town at the time. And we so we went, and I neglected to tell them that it was it was a uh, subtitled film and they were like already like bummed about that. But then we found out the, uh, the theater we went to go see it in had no heat and it was the middle of winter oh my God. and it was like <laughs> fucking freezing in there. And I, to this day, uh, blame that movie showing on losing that friendship, the friendship with all those girls. Cause I don't think we ever really talked again after that. <laughs> yeah. That's a deal breaker. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. God, that's so funny. Their loss. That movie's incredible. It is. It's it so is. good. <laughs> it's probably Del Toro's best movie. I was going to say one yeah, of Del Toro's yeah, for best. Sure. Uh, all right. Anything else for box office, Neil? <clears throat> no, that pretty much wraps it up. It uh, just did crap. And I mean, <laughs> that doesn't even I don't even know if this takes in like the marketing budget, which like oh, the no. rule of thumb is that you double you want to at least double your mm-hmm. production budget. So they didn't make a hundred million dollars. So they lost out yeah. like a big time. I don't <laughs> think they, I don't think it does. Um, I don't think it does include marketing budget. Cause that it get that whole like budget gets weird. Yeah. And right. I think they usually only list production budgets. Then you get into um, Hollywood accounting and no movie ever makes money. <laughs> oh right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, let's dive into the film Firewall, guys. Uh, first off, let's start it off. Uh, Harrison Ford, his character's name is Jack Steinfeld. Uh, all right name. I. It is all right. Yeah, I I'd it, give it a, a solid B minus. I'd say yeah, right. it's an unassuming, uh, but I don't know. He it's this role that he's done in a few other film, films now where it's like the reluctant hero. Right. And mm, uh, it, it's family? definitely <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, a, it's a good, good name for that character. I, so he's, the problem is, is he's got a far more popular Jack character. So I yeah. think they were just writing off that. Maybe people thought this was a Jack Ryan movie or something like that. It is well, actually very similar to Jack Ryan. It could be. It, it very it, well could yeah, be. It honestly could be. Um, now the problem is there is a character in this movie who has a better name than Jack Stanfield. Yes. That yes, is God. Paul Bentley, Paul Bentley's Bill Cox. <laughs> Solid name. <laughs> it's hard. It, that it's a hard name. <clears throat> and al- also, uh, Robert. Uh, sorry, Robert <laughs> First Forrester. He plays Harry Romano, which is a fucking good name. <laughs> and also, the criminally underused Alan Arkin plays Arlen Forrester, which is also a really really good name. Yeah. So solid names, solid names <laughs> solid. in this movie. But can but you can't forget 
Paul Bettany's ragtag crew of Vel, Liam, Pim, and Willie. <laughs> Did you say Pim? Pim, yeah. That's a name. Oh, it's the guy who was in Grind. That one guy, like the one who always wears that pearl shell necklace thing. Oh, I, that's <laughs> the dude. Is that the same dude who is also in Rat Race? Yes. yes. I yeah. could not for the life of me figure out who he, where I knew him from until like I finally had to stop and look it up on my phone. I was like, oh my God, I watched Rat Race like five dozen times for some reason when I was a kid. <laughs> it was a good and movie. That's when, yeah, that's why I knew him. I, it was so distracting too because he's such a weird character in that movie and he was like, and he's definitely so just, basic in this movie. Yeah. yeah. He's yeah. just exactly. a henchman. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> um, I will say this movie starts off strong. I think the intro basically leading up to the abduction or uh, when they take his, uh, his family hostage, I think it's actually pretty solid. It's a great, like this uh, movie has an incredible cast. Um, the people I've said also Robert Patrick is in this movie the T-1000 himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, For a hot second. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the problem is that the this incredible cast in the beginning basically vanishes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. His secretary is Mary uh, Lynn Ricecup, which she's this incredible comedian. Um, she basically like pops up in basically every comedy TV show. Um, she's, she's, she's Gail the snail. <laughs> Gail the snail from It's Always Sunny. Yep. Um, uh, wait, really? Uh, yeah. <laughs> is that one of the, is that the sister of the weird sister? Or am I thinking no, of someone no, else? No, that's, that's the McPoyle. Like, this yeah. is just another chick who, like, bangs Frank or something at one point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, Okay. Okay, I'm I'm seeing it now. <laughs> <laughs> I had to look it up. Gail the Snail, man, I should that should just be I should just remember that character. It's such a good name. <laughs> um, but I this also is a movie that I think just proves that for some reason Harrison Ford is just really good at playing a scientist. Or like yeah. a scientist adjacent, you know? Right. Um, My God. An intellectual. <laughs> intellectual, yes. Yeah. So I'm going to hard disagree with everything you just <laughs> said. <Ben. laughs> well, I'm so sorry. Right. I, I just want to specify. I'm talking about like maybe 20 or 30 minutes. The first 20 or 30 minutes of this movie. Honestly, probably okay. maybe it's probably more like 15. Okay. Go ahead. I, okay, I I have to say this. I hit the pause button <laughs> at almost nearly fifteen minutes and said I hate the first fifteen minutes of this oh, no. movie. <laughs> and let me get into it. There's two glaring problems with the first fifteen minutes of this movie. Mm-hmm. One of them is a kid that's around eight, and the second one is a kid that's around fourteen. Uh. And child. <laughs> are the worst. 
first in this movie, that little boy, I want to punch right in his stupid face. Like, oh my god, he drives me insane for some reason. <laughs> so that boy, uh, did you recognize that boy? No. Uh, he I is in J.J. Abrams' Star Trek movie. He plays young James young Tiberius sh- Kirk. Yes. I oh my remember. god. I knew I recognized him. He has a very oh, distinctive God. face. Yeah. Oh, And he's, I mean, when did that movie come out? 2008? He's shortly very after close this, to the same been... age. Yeah. Oh, my God. Anyway. But you no. are right. <laughs> Both those kids suck. <laughs> oh, my God. This kid was just crazy, driving me up the wall. Just so terrible. And I, I'm trying to recollect everything that happens, like, in the very beginning. Like, it was just, like dog barking kids screaming in the house like it like for some reason drove me up the wall and like just this kid walking around driving his remote control car and maybe it's just screwing the up the reception of just the television screwing everything up yeah and <laughs> i don't know why and then uh as far as harrison ford being like like he comes off as an intellectual well but i have to say uh, in the episode in which our our friend from the Review Review podcast, Joel, was on, he mentioned mm-hmm. this sh- movie and how he kind of wanted to do this one. And he brought up that, like, him saying techno stuff, like, <laughs> about servers and routers or uh-huh. whatever he happens to be, just does not work for me at all <laughs> for some reason. Yeah, he... <laughs> I, his delivery was awkward, but the thing that I actually did, I, I found myself like ready to just rip apart this movie for its accuracy because it's like it, it's it's kind of pitch is that it's this thriller about computers and money and like mm. technology and stuff. Right. There is so not a like, single firewall in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> true. Very true. Uh, but I mean, like the jargon isn't all wrong. It's just, I don't know. It, it's more it's pretty the, basic. The acting. It, it is. It, yeah. There's nothing too yeah. crazy, but they, they also don't do the, like, they don't do the like CSI Miami bullshit where they just like rattle off a bunch of f- fake dumb words. Like there, there is a logic to it, even if it's like stretched in places or just, you know, glossed over, but it's mm. not like they're just making up shit. Right. Right. Okay, so along along these kind of lines of techno jargon and such, there's one trope they do in this a couple of times that like I find kind of annoying. And it's when so there's one instance like pretty close to the beginning where Harrison Ford is like programming something at the bank and some guy's sitting next to him. So he's like, oh, what you got to do is route. A to B and this and that. And then the guy next to him said, oh, well, that will stop the X, Y, Z or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I find that infuriating in that. How does the guy next to him know that but not not know what Harrison Ford just did? <laughs> yeah. Does that like well, he sounds like he has all the knowledge in the world. But for mm-hmm. some reason, he needs Harrison Ford to come say, oh, you just got to do this or whatever. And <laughs> yeah. then he's like, oh, and that will stop. The- <laughs> it just goes on. And they do it a couple of times. And I'm like. I I find that just so stupid that like there's one guy who knows everything but not the one thing that the well, one other guy knows. The, I guess. The, most, I don't know. the most absurd part of that exchange is the <laughs> idea that 
the guy who has been promoted up to like upper management in this company would know more about like current technology than the people that are younger than him that they hire specifically for that job. Like, <laughs> yeah, so true. you know, once you, once you start working your way up through the ranks, like even if you started in like the actual doing code and, and security, like uh, computer security stuff, like you don't always keep up on the latest shit. So like the idea that he would solve that in five seconds when the other dude's like, I've been working on this all day. Like it just, no, that you're, you're really struggling to, to make, uh, Harrison Ford's character like look competent at the tech side of things and like really all you had to do is make him look competent at like the managerial side right yeah yeah because that's all the when he gets into where he actually has to hack the bank it's all just like stepping over red tape you know well they did he did they do do the solution where they like scan the screen but that's mm-hmm. like the only thing and that that you could still buy that he would be capable of because it's like old technology right like, yeah yeah I, I totally bought that he right. would know have the know-how to like he's do also, all that he's also just taking pictures like he just took a picture of a screen like that's all <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did. yeah. Um, <coughs> it's so funny because uh he named he named when explaining how he's going to do that, like he's using the like image processor of a fax machine. But then he says, he's like, yeah, we're just, we'll just take a picture of it and then we'll run it through an OCR machine. And <laughs> OCR, uh, I don't know how old OCR tech is, but uh, if you don't know, OCR, it just takes an image of text and then turns it into like editable text right? right so you can like take a scanned in if like someone well if someone faxes you a document you can like scan that in and then like ocr it so you can like edit it and change like change the text on it mm-hmm. and it's it's very it's a very basic like it's a very basic program and uh all, all it is and since it's just the data that he's collecting is just like router numbers uh, or, or like account routing numbers. Like he could have just typed them up himself. <laughs> it's like it's like maybe 100 digits or something. Well, didn't I mean, I think they said there are 10. They were taking the plan. If we want to skip to that, is that they're trying to steal ten thousand dollars from 10,000 of the richest clients at the bank. So I think it was a, a problem. Oh, of, okay. 10,000. For some reason, uh, I thought quantity, they only said, yeah. yeah I, for some reason, I thought they only said 10, the 10 no. richest accounts. Yeah. So, cause it was 10,000 from 10,000 to equal a hundred oh, okay. million total. Yeah. yeah so yeah. It, it would be a lot of numbers to put in that. And that's why they needed to do that. Okay. And I like, I will that, attract my statement. Uh, and using an OCR program, obviously very helpful. <laughs> yes, but, but it's still an odd detail, right? Because it's like they they used a real world explanation and concept, but they do almost nothing to like explain why that's necessary to the audience. So mm-hmm. it's really just like there only for the people who already know what that even means. To everyone yeah. else, it's like why why are you like scanning a screen like it did, <laughs> i'm sure people were very confused <laughs> yeah possibly yeah it, it does i guess put 
a sense of realism, but it's that little contraption he makes is this such this like MacGyver like <laughs> yeah. thing. And he's also for the hard drive, he's using an iPod, mm-hmm. um, which is, which works. I mean, that that device is just a hard drive. You can put anything on it. Um, it just only read the firmware of that device only reads MP3s and or song files, whatever, mm-hmm. um, whatever bullshit file <laughs> Apple uses. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, it's all it's all like I think that all makes sense. That whole process he did makes sense. Yeah, but, that. Just but yeah, doesn't... you're right. It kind of just doesn't matter. And it doesn't right. really mean anything. Yeah, it doesn't like typically if a movie is going to go this far to like try and stay realistic, they they find a way to make that interesting for the audience, like kind of let them in on the secret of why this is important or why it works and why, or why it doesn't work instead mm-hmm. of just like having it be the like deuce ex machina moment where it's just like oh well he he figured out how to do it like that's that's pretty much what it was like (laughs) we need we need to do a thing jack you you have to do this thing and then jack's like i figured out how to do the thing and then that's it i I guess i could use that (laughs) (laughs) yeah um you know what it this act this movie reminded me of and i can't uh I don't remember the title, but it remember that Will Smith movie we talked about. Um, it was him and Gene Hackman, I think, and it was about a lot of surveillance. Oh, Enemy of the State. Enemy yes. of the State. Yeah, this almost reminded me of of that movie. Is that fair? I think yeah. Enemy of the State used that whole surveillance thing a lot better. Than like yes. what this mo- the equivalent of what Firewall uses. Yeah, because well, that movie had higher stakes. Like, I, <laughs> it, because the the whole thing was like he was being framed while all of this was happening, right? So uh, you're talking about Jack Steinfeld, right? No, well, so. I guess, yes, at the end of this movie, he's getting framed. But in Enemy of the State, like, they write it towards the beginning, don't they? They, like, frame him for, like, a murder or something. So he's on the run from the government, and he's also trying to catch, like, the people mm. who did this to him, right? Okay. But I do not – I know I brought that movie like, up, but I do something not like that. that I, I know we watched it for the podcast, and I don't really remember. But that, that that's, like, one of the complaints I have with this movie is that, like – the the only real stakes are the one like the constant threat to his family's safety that it, but he's like there with them in the house and like i don't know it is just strange cuz yeah we knew that they weren't going to kill anybody right like so i don't know he kills willie yeah. Oh God, poor Will. He shoots him right in the shoulder, and then <laughs> yeah. he just dies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing, the other comparison, I think uh, Joel brought this up in the pe- in the episode he was on, but this is very Air Force One. Like mm. it is. Yeah. His there's some dude pull, put, pointing a gun at his family, and Harrison yep. Ford just needs to get his family back. Yep. And yeah, does questionable true. things before he actually finally t- 
decides to fight back. Yeah. I So I was actually asking Francis about this while we were watching. Like, if this happened to you and you just, like, had to go along with it, are you in any way culpable for the crimes you that get, get committed? Or, like... Do you just get like a free pass because you were at gunpoint or your family was at gunpoint? I bet that a jury would find you innocent. I bet that that um, I bet that if you went to trial, you could plead your case and a jury would find you innocent. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. I, Obviously, I was just, I'm not a lawyer, but I, I was just kind of fascinated by that because I was thinking like, would they even charge him with a crime? Would they even get that far? But like, yeah, I don't know that 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 was I guess you could say uh, at parts of this movie, I was a little my mind was wandering a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I found that like outside of Paul Bettany, like his group outside of maybe Jamie Lannister is pretty are like very not intimidating at yeah, all. Yeah. So like even Paul Bettany isn't super intimidating in this movie. Like all he's got is like the threat against his family and like a gun. Mm-hmm. So it's like I feel like Harrison Ford Jack Steinfeld just did these like really without putting up too much effort, I guess. Like he just kind of <laughs> went along with it. And I do like like the schemes of his like that he when he did try to like uh like break the chains of like his captivity essentially yeah uh, when he the, passed the, off that the camera that was on him to his assistant yeah, yeah. he does some <clears throat> shitty stuff to his assistant in this movie <laughs> oh my god yeah um the one scene. And I want to guess, I want to think that I just missed something, but like, it's the scene where they're like, like they go to his home for the first time and it's like, they've got the family held hostage. He's there too. I like that they can just still go up and talk to each other. Like they're just living at home normally (laughs) pretty much just with goons in the house. Yeah. Um, And then, but like, there's the whole thing where like, he's got like the fire extinguisher and he like sets off the alarm and then like his wife and kids know to like go out like through this secret thing to the garage or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like how did I miss the, the planning of that? It, like, it's, was there, it would have been it's easy not to on miss. Screen. No, it is. Okay. It is. Is it? Yes. So <clears throat> the, that entire setup for that escape plan is literally like a five second conversation that he has with his wife walking up the stairs when there are none of the bad guys are within earshot. Like, Oh my God. <laughs> she, they're walking up the stairs together and he whispers in her ear. He says at, at, at exactly nine o'clock, I'm going to make the video feeds cut out. You need to pretend to be asleep and under the covers and then we'll go and, and you go out the does way, say, the secret way or something like that. Does he say all that? I thought they kind of yada yada it. Uh, they might have, but I just, I just remember the like at exactly this time I'll cut out the video and you can go or some, something like that. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe they did talk about it a little bit before that, but like it, that, that was the only indication you had of what was about to happen. Yeah. It just seemed so well orchestrated for like what <laughs> yeah. I didn't catch at all. I thought so they were like, going oh, to wow. like run to a, like a panic room in the basement. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh shit. Is there's suddenly a panic room in this house now? Um, so one thing that I, so I kind of want to talk about like when 
the goons show up at their house and like put the family under like um, hostage for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you talked about how like there's really poor setup of Harrison Ford's character. I, I think there is even there is almost no setup to Paul Bettany and like just what he is doing. Like he's yeah. just like a dude that is just, he is just gonna rob a bunch of people. And he just decided that Harrison Ford is the person who will do it. Yeah. And they really just don't do a good job of setting that up. He, and it's, he is a villain with zero motivation outside of, I want money. Yeah. I, yeah. I can't, I can't think of any other, any other conversation or hint of why he's doing this other than just I I'm a per, I'm a very smart robber who wants to m- get a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they almost try to they almost try to set something up because he is he before the whole hostage scene he meets with um Harrison Ford and then like the a partner in the company. And they're like talking about a merger, aren't they? Or, yeah. they're, or they're talking about something like in a business like transaction. Mm-hmm. And so like they're almost setting up his character that maybe he like there's a reason why he should be like showing up to this bank. But they throw that out the window like immediately like he never confronts any other character and like is like oh yeah we were we were exchanging emails about that thing we're doing all the business stuff well <laughs> you know i mean they i think that was that was a necessary setup so that he could come visit him at his work to help him do the robbery right yeah 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 but yeah that 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 whole sequence was odd cuz it was like I mean, I guess it was a coordinated thing so they would know he was away from home so they could take his wife and kids hostage. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it felt like a very awkward launch to the the crux of the film. Yeah, mm. yeah. It's sweaty. It's very sweaty. Um, <laughs> very rainy, too. Very rainy, too. <laughs> Maybe they're just wet from rain. <laughs> <laughs> um uh sweaty is a term that uh, uh blank check the podcast blank check uses and it, it's it the, it is to talk about a scene that is doing so much work to get a point across that you're just sweating at the end of it and <laughs> That's i good. feel like a lot of this movie is just so sweaty just oh, to man. like Basically there, just to steal some bank accounts. <laughs> the, one of the things I noticed uh, about halfway through this movie is that the um, the soundtrack of this movie is doing so much heavy lifting. <laughs> like the soundtrack is one of the most intense, like. And it's just people walking through hallways in a bank. <laughs> There's like no threat, but the soundtrack is just like 
amped up to 11 and I, was, mm-hmm. I really started getting the kick out of that after that point but man yeah it's it, it, they're really trying to pull drama out of thin air because a lot of this movie is like just very mundane uh pot- like almost conflict but not actual conflict right like mm-hmm. like they, they, <laughs> yes. they don't even um they don't even like have the the main plot beats go anywhere like the two the two major times when he like tries to find a way out of their situation both times they're foiled by the villain and both times they're just put back to square one and kind of continue on as though nothing happened like mm-hmm, yeah they yeah. kill that one the one henchman as punishment for screwing up but like there's really not it, it it really is just like they're just back on the treadmill after that point. It doesn't it doesn't set the film off in a new fun trajectory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, even when he when he switches the camera over and he he basically foils Willie, who's watching him like it, it's um, the it's like a minute before Paul Bettany shows up and he's just like, Hey, I was watching you too. So, um, <laughs> you, you, you tricked Willie, but you didn't trick me. Yeah. And, it, yeah. It's like, uh, it's like a good hour of this movie is just watching Harrison Ford's hand get slapped out of the cookie jar. <laughs> that, that's a very good way to put it. Uh, I would slapped also like back to into the cookie jar. Yes, <laughs> right. I, uh, also the amount of like, like small little checkoff guns that are just hidden in this oh movie. Oh my god, yes. So many of them. Like the remote control car, the dog collar, the peanut allergy. Like yes. <laughs> that's oh, just yeah. three of like the main ones, but there's probably like countless my, more of them. No, too. my favorite one was uh when he when he first goes to work and um I think his name is Bobby. Bobby is hitting on um his secretary mm-hmm. and right, yeah. he makes the comment of like, Oh, born again, Bobby. And it's like, okay, that's a weird thing. And then when they go to find Bobby and he's playing bass guitar in front of a church, <laughs> that moment was legit. Pretty hilarious. I was glad yes. about that. <laughs> it was so funny because it was so random. Like, yeah, they all they were doing was picking up his phone and he could have just been hanging out watching like Parks and Rec in his apartment. <laughs> but no, they had to hire a hundred extras to stand <laughs> in a church. <laughs> and he had to have been just playing the bass guitar. God yeah. I, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but uh, his cell phone ringtone was also what a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> My God. <laughs> that guy shouldn't be hitting on anybody but God. <laughs> uh, I loved how when Mary... Uh, Lewin Rice Cup was just like, I don't think you understand how this works. You ask me out, I decline, and then you go ask someone else out. (laughs) 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 Um, All right. Some last, last, just some final comments for me on this movie. Um, We mentioned uh, Nikolai Coster Waldo um, in this movie. I think he's the 
best henchman in this movie. Uh, it's kind of fun to watch a pre Game of Thrones um, version of this guy. Um, I also think this is one of his earliest English works. Um, he's he's a European actor, and he has a lot of credits that I think are not like American um, movies or television. Hmm. Um, and then, of course, I, Game of Thrones happens, and he's just like all over the place. I just on the, the qu- quick interjection on just uh, language. I could totally tell Paul Bettany couldn't keep an English accent like very, <laughs> yes. or like an American accent very well. Yeah, he's oh boy, my dog's barking. Wait, again. isn't he supposed to be British in this movie though? I don't well, know. I don't think so because he has like an American accent. Sometimes he, puts yeah. on, he definitely puts on an American accent. I think when he's pretending to be the business partner. Oh, um, okay. But oh, maybe that's right. <laughs> yeah, but it's so weird because it like his his British accent is not like super strong either. Even when no. he's playing like the bad guy, so it 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 feels more awkward than anything because there's not a huge separation between his two accents. <laughs> yeah. Does he he? Ha- does he have a British accent accent in A Knight's Tale? Uh, I know, I know, you guys have oh, seen that boy. American oh, it's classic, been A Knight's so Tale. Long. Yeah, say it's been a long time. <laughs> Same here. I. I should have picked a more recent movie. <laughs> like, does he have? I, does he have a, a British accent in Avengers: Infinity War? <laughs> uh, yes, I believe he does. Does he? I'm pretty he does sure he's. Too. I'm pretty sure he's British Vision. Yeah, yeah, because Jarvis is British. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yes, yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, he, that's not very thick. That's not a very thick accent in no, no, in in the Avengers movies. Um, yeah, okay. So <laughs> when they uh, another point is um, they make the point of changing the password on the like home security system. And I had a big problem with this guys <laughs> because the, the, the initial password that Harrison Ford, presumably Harrison Ford set set <laughs> is Lark. L a R K. I made the same comment when we were watching. <laughs> I was like, "You're trying to tell me a cybersecurity expert at a national bank fucking picked a four-letter lowercase passphrase for his security system? Like, wow, dude, you fail." Yeah, that's some bullshit. I could be brute forced in like five seconds. Oh yeah. Plus, it was it's the name of their boat. Like he says, it's the yeah. name of their boat. Yeah. And I mean, come on, that that's some simple Google shit right Which there. I totally thought that that was going to be another one of the five dozen Chekhov's guns. I thought we were going to end up on their boat <laughs> at some point. Boat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that would have been funny. Oh, he should have <laughs> driven up on the boat. Yeah. <laughs> to get to the it ends on a lake house. Hell yeah, that would have been great. But yeah, it. but unfortunately it ends with... Um, him another checkoff gun of him following his dog because he has a GPS collar on their dog. So that's how he finds their little hideout. Um, he he follows up. He follows the dog and they end up throwing the dog out. So they they retrieve the dog 
uh, Harrison Ford sees the lake house and is like, oh, they must be there. And I thought, so he's with his assistant. And I thought, all right, he's just going to walk down to the lake house, right? <laughs> but no, he he gives the dog to his assistant and he says, you should probably call the police. And then he drives away <laughs> with the car, <laughs> fucking leaving his assistant in the middle of fucking nowhere. This guy's an <laughs> asshole. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of him being an asshole, I know this movie came out kind of like before this was a big like social talking point. But when uh, when he has to like go to her house for help and then oh we see God. we see that she like can't even fucking get her car to start. I'm like, dude, maybe you don't pay your fucking s- secretary oh enough. God. Like, Jesus Christ, she lives in yeah. a hot dump and then she drives a piece of shit. Like, what what kind of salary does she make? Jesus, you seem like a pretty high up executive, and your your secretary can't even afford right. to like have a living wage. Yeah, I and on the topic of the car, I find this funny that like they even added the scene where they had to jump her car because like why <laughs> I, 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 I don't know world building that to show she's poor I have no clue I, I, don't know I actually kind of thought like a, it was a funny moment like I mean yeah. maybe it's a joke that doesn't need to be like in this movie but I thought it was kind of funny when he was like we're gonna take your car right and she was like um <laughs> then it cuts to him pushing <laughs> <Yeah>. it <laughs> yeah it, it was all right and then i just the the recurring joke of them like trying to keep the car running at every stop they make <laughs> <laughs> um uh oh so i thought you were gonna bring up when he goes to her apartment uh, she refuses to open the door and he straight up tackles her. Oh God. Yeah. That yeah. was awkward yeah. as fuck. Yeah. And I didn't even hear what he said, but apparently he like explained like everything to her and that calmed her down. Yeah. But he was like putting her in a chokehold. Yeah. And, and wrapped his leg around her too. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, when I f- feel like you could have just been at the door and calmly explained your situation and gotten a better result but then again he did just fire her, so maybe that force is necessary i don't know <laughs> now, all right you uh you guys don't have to comment on this but if i just want to say if my boss showed up at my apartment door and was like uh my wife and kids are being held hostage i need your help i'd be like Go fuck yourself. I'll see you at work tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. I like to leave much. work at work, my dude. Cold <laughs> yeah. yeah. hearted, man. Jeez. I honestly, I'd probably be like, yeah, I'm probably not the right person you should come to. Try the police, you idiot. Yeah. I am underqualified at revenge. So. <laughs> Um, all right then if if we had t-shirts that would be the first one that is the (laughs) t-shirt i am underqualified at revenge (laughs) Um, okay also uh the ending was just kind of lame it really seemed like he he takes out Paul Bettany, and then they just kind of walk away, and credits rolled. 
and it really seemed like they just hit their time limit and were like, all right, we can't we can't wrap this up. So we're at we're at our 90 minute mark. So let's just roll those credits. I feel as if like they were like, oh, shit, I don't know how do we can make Harrison Ford look innocent after all the shit he just did. So like, we better just end it and not have to explain any of that. (laughs) Yeah, they needed to do a, a a get out ending where the cop pulls up but then alan arkin gets out and then everyone is like yeah (laughs) Yeah. it's our friend from earlier (laughs) (laughs) yeah i i actually i didn't mind the ending but it felt very old school like yeah of course our ending's gonna it's gonna break out in fisticuffs like that just is how it had to end i think um yeah but yeah I, i will say i liked I liked that fight sequence just in the sense that it felt like it was well shot and edited. Like the punches felt like they actually really landed and the, the choreography of them like moving through that house felt really nice. And to have them like end up in that ditch at the end and the way he died was pretty brutal. So I'll give it, I'll give it props for being like a decent fight scene, but it didn't really, it didn't really earn that moment as like the climax of the film. It, it just mm. was like the only action we got at all, which is the only reason it really stood out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I will actually fight back on how the punches were realistic Really, uh, to go back to your trivia. Uh, I thought about this final fight scene when you had that trivia question of, um, of Harrison uh, saying that Paul Bettany was pulling his punches uh-huh. because there was a lot of punches from Paul Bettany that were just like, it was just like, <laughs> that's an acting punch. Like you didn't even touch that other person. Fair enough. <laughs> um, all right, let's get to final thoughts guys. Uh, for every movie, we'll give Harrison Ford a rating of one to five Harrison's. So Neil, what is your rating and final thoughts? Okay, yeah, okay. Um, well, I, th- I, I don't know. I just didn't care for this movie really at all for some reason. I, it, it just, I, nothing seemed threatening enough to me I guess to make me like care a whole lot like everybody like his wife and kids they were all like still really chill and even at the very end like they've all been held at gunpoint all these people are dead and like the final th- line of the movie is like the ki- the young boy being like ah, good dog <laughs> it's like <laughs> you should be fucking traumatized kid <laughs> like what the hell uh, so uh I don't know. Maybe this is just me hating that kid more. Sorry, kid. (laughs) um, And uh, it just nothing really. I don't know. It just it didn't do it for me personally. Uh, That's I that's really all I can say. So I'm just going to give it like one out of five Harrisons. It's just it's just lame. That's probably the best term. Tyler, uh, I'm I'm not gonna be I'm not gonna be as harsh. Uh, like I think in every one of these episodes we do, 
I I like to criticize films, but I I found myself like I I never felt bored with this movie. Um I was engaged, I guess. I don't know. That's probably that's like not the kind of like movie critic quote you want on your movie poster. Like I was thoroughly engaged, um, but, you know, <laughs> I, I, it's totally watchable. I, I had fun with parts of it. Other parts I thought were just mediocre. But, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give this uh, I'm going to give it two Harrison's. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good number. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. There, there's. There's very little for me to like really say was bad. There's just parts that I wish were better. Um, I think the biggest miss, the biggest like whiff of this movie is having Robert Patrick play such a small role. Like, mm. oh, I yeah. think he should have been the like Tommy Lee Jones to Harrison Ford from The Fugitive. Like, right. yeah, he should yeah. have been like just one step behind him all the way, like doing more sleuthing than literally just like that one sequence in the middle of the film where he was like on to him. It's like, literally he's just like going to the next room and asking, Hey, where did Jack go? And then he went that way. And then he just like goes to the next place where Jack was. It, it just, it felt he a went little to the silly. movie theater across the street. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it felt a little silly. Like he, he has an imposing presence and like, I wanted I like I really like that idea in films where like the the main character is trying to do something that is actually good but from the outside it's bad and so you have a character that's like trying to stop them from doing what they think is bad mm-hmm. it's just yeah, really that's compelling the fugitive. that's yeah, why it's exactly what the so fugitive good. is yeah so uh, i think he could have played he could have played more onto that that kind of b plot of this movie um but unfortunately he's just kind of wasted so yeah Two, two out of two out of five Harrisons. Cool. I'm going to give this one out of five. Um, I think this is a pretty bad movie. Um, I think that Harrison Ford in particular is, I think he shines in this movie, but it's, it's because it's compared to everyone else who I think is pretty mediocre um, at best. Uh, and then when there are the good actors in this movie are just so underused, like uh, like Robert Patrick. I think he's actually pretty good in this movie, but he's mm-hmm. just not in it. Alan Arkin is really good in the like two scenes he's in, <laughs> you know, and there's like a lot of good. There's some good moments in this movie, but it problem is they're just they're just in between just this kind of terrible, mediocre plot. Um, and yeah, I just think this is just not a good character and not a good performance by Harrison Ford. So, uh, yeah, I, yeah. One out of five, please do not watch this movie. (laughs) You, You guys like, you got some harsh, the ratings for what I thought was just a mediocre movie, but <laughs> all right. I mean, the thing is like, I, I think I don't remember what I gave air force one, but I think that's a mediocre movie, but there are, but I mean, it has Gary Oldman in it. Like there's, there's moments that are just like, wow, this is really good. Yeah. Um, and there's just nothing in that. Like, honestly, like th- 
another thing is just Paul Bentley is just not good in this movie. Like you switch if Paul Bentley and Robert Patrick switch places in this movie. Oof. Um, I yeah. think it, it. Yeah, that would have raises. been a great change. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's wild that you cast the T-1000 and it's just like, <laughs> all right, you're the you're the the guy who, who works with him. And you have a very good relationship, but you're kind of rivals. You know, you don't trust him. And it's like, no, you give that guy a gun and then you, you make him a bad guy. That's what he's good at. Uh, all right. Let's wrap that up um, and let's get to recommendations. So for every episode, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations of what we think you should check out. So, Neil, what's your recommendation? My recommendation this week is something I finally got around to seeing, never saw it in theaters, sadly, uh, and hadn't only seen it until just recently, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, if you are into that at all, which you should be, uh, <laughs> please watch it. Like, um, I think it is just like what they've done with Spider-Man, with Tom Holland and all in incorporating that into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and making it work has just been very well done, in my opinion. Um, it just Sony doesn't have their mitts on it when, <laughs> when they're like it's under control of the MCU. But um, stand out for like Jake Gyllenhaal in this who like yes. when I saw the trailer. You see, like, the trailer portrays, like, Mysterio as, like, this good guy. You, you expect, like, yeah, he'll probably have a turn or whatever. But, like, uh, he, it, like, you're like, oh, that's not, like, the Mysterio I know. But then when you get into the meat of this movie, outside of what they show in the trailer, you're like, this is exactly the Mysterio I know. Yeah. And they make it fit seamlessly into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So it's not some weird, like, just uh, some other random instance. The team that Mysterio is working with, spoilers for this, but it I've, I've, I've watched it like months late. So um, it, it's a, his whole like CGI and like duping team essentially is all people that's Tony Stark pretty much like let go and used all of their tech to some other meaningless degree essentially so like Quentin Beck was the guy who created essentially that augmented reality thing I think was in like Iron Man 3 or something like that uh, Civil War or what Civil War yeah, yeah. right thank you Barf um, is what it's, what it's called <laughs> yeah, exactly like he gave it a silly name and like the egos on these guys they're like I hate Tony Stark for calling it barf and taking it or whatever yeah. and like my favorite scene because uh, this is like kind of I don't an in joke between like me and like my brothers and some other people is the line that um, Obadiah Stane gives in the first Iron Man where Tony Stark <laughs> built this in a cave with a box of scraps like box of scraps guy is in the movie and is one of the antagonists like yeah. that whole thing is just fantastic that they can weave in all of these characters from 
flip him 10 years ago and make him mm. relevant again. Like, it's so incredible. And Jake, <laughs> when, when I watched this, I, I was just thinking like, man, this is what it's going to be like in 15 years when uh, Elon Musk's disgruntled employees decide to get revenge. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that scene you're talking about um, where where it's finally revealed of like what Quentin Beck, Beck is and that he, he doesn't have superpowers and that it's all like kind of fake is I think one of the like all time great scenes of a Marvel movie. It's yeah, so, so incredible. Good. Yeah. And just the reveal of it is just delicious. Well, and uh, it's, I just love it when, when an actor can pull off the like, this is a comic book villain in a live action mm-hmm. movie. And I don't care that you're acting. You know what I mean? Like there's that fine line between cheesy and just delightful. And he plays it so great. Like th- this is a comic book ass comic book movie, but it's so fun. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's very, very well done. Uh, yeah. So uh, please watch Spider-Man far from home. I would recommend if you, want to see it to watch all of the other Marvel movies because it does have a giant spoiler if you are not caught up with the Marvel Cinematic (laughs) Universe right in the beginning. Yeah, Yeah, of course. So, uh, yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home, definitely check it out. Uh, Just great all around. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it it also has one of the most interesting, like, after-credit stingers of any Marvel movie, which is part of the reason I was so devastated when we thought that there wasn't going to be another MCU Spider-Man movie. Um, So, yeah, that if you haven't seen it, just just that ending, like, like total jaw dropping after credit scene was like, Mm. holy shit. Yeah. Um, have you guys seen the trailer for Morbius? Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> God. I, I have a feeling that that there will not be many more Spider-Man movies that are made by Kevin Feige. Maybe not. Because um, yeah, I feel like Sony is just uh, Sony is just really they just want to they need to make a bunch of superhero movies that work. And I I feel like it's going to be a big mess, a real yeah. big mess. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, go watch the Morbius trailer, but skip like the first like two minutes and just watch the like last 13 <laughs> seconds of that trailer. <laughs> In that trailer, they have a like a poster of spider-man on the street that just says mm-hmm. murderer over it <laughs> yeah and the poster is a screenshot from the ps4 spider-man game oh really yes. yeah <laughs> and i don't know fucking why i don't yeah. i don't get it but that's a thing yeah, that's hilarious Good job jared leto take all these sweet comic book people and make them great again yeah <laughs> you <laughs> uh-oh all right, Tyler, what's your recommendation? All right. So I don't think I don't think either of you guys have recommended this yet. Have you Parasite? No. Okay. No. Have either of you seen it? No. Oh, boy. All right. So Parasite, uh, it's one of those movies that keeps popping up where, like, I hear everybody raving about it. And I'm just like, oh, shit. It's like this 
foreign film that is only playing in like a couple theaters. Like, am I even going to have a chance to see this in theaters? I'm going to be really disappointed if I don't. And I, I missed out on it. And so I was really bummed, but then it like came to like for purchase, uh, for video on demand purchase, like very quickly, it's still in theaters locally. And I was not able to get to it. I thought I still might try, but then it showed up for purchase and I was like, Oh shit. Well, just, I'll just buy it. I've been hearing such great things about this movie. So parasite is the, the most recent film from uh, Korean director Bong Joon Ho. And this is the guy who did like Snowpiercer and uh, the, the host. host. Uh, yeah. yeah. Some, yeah, some really crazy ass movies that have just, they're just dripping with style. And uh, I tell you guys, this movie is, uh, it's, it's beyond description. Like I, I don't, I do not know how to <laughs> tell you guys about this movie other than to just say, go watch it. Like, and I, it's not available for rental yet, but I, I don't want anyone to have this movie spoiled for them. So like, if you think that might happen, just literally go buy it and watch it. Cause it's worth it. Like it's worth having in your collection. I guarantee I'm certain I'm going to be rewatching this movie multiple times. Um, I can kind of just try to describe the themes of it. Like the basic, the basic premise is that it's uh, kind of this contrast between a rich family and a poor family in South Korea. And um, it just like it's a spiraling descent into madness, um, but with like no with no like leaning into any kind of supernatural thing or anything like that. It's just. It's just like this bizarre, uh, like look into the minds of people who come from different, uh, castes of society and man, is it so well done? Like if you like his other movies, which are granted kind of like these niche films that are a little hard to recommend to some people, I think this one is a absolutely easy film to, to recommend. It's um probably the most down to earth and realistic movie he's made but it's just like it kind of feels like a fever dream at the same time so yeah it, it's there are um i think the biggest takeaway i had from this movie is that like some of my uh favorite films i kind of remember um, like a single image from that movie whenever I think of it like whenever I hear the name of the film I'm just I get taken to this like one shot right and there's like five of those in this movie mm. where like Ooh. the the way that the camera is framing this bizarre moment is so like burned into your mind that you can't forget it uh and you're just so confused at part at parts, but then it all comes together at the end and just feels so satisfying. Uh, man, I, I can't recommend it enough. Uh, Parasite by Bong Joon-ho. Go, go buy it. Go watch it. Go. If it's still in theaters near you, try to go see it. It's so good. Yeah, I, I just got it. I think I just got to go see this movie because, yep. yeah, everyone, everyone talks about this movie just like the way you were talking about it. So, and I like Bong Joon-ho movies. Like I think yeah. I've seen several oh, yeah. of them. They're 
so good. So, all right. Uh, I would like to recommend maybe the exact opposite of Parasite. Um, I'd like to recommend a new Netflix series called Medical Police. Um, This is a spinoff of Children's Hospital, which was... um, It was an Adult Swim show um, from several years ago that was like, it was like that 15 minute or like 10 or 15 minute, like episode length show. Mm -hmm. Um, This is also not like the type of comedies. uh, If you're unfamiliar with Children's Hospital, like this is very much the comedy of like the... um, Leslie Nielsen movies, the like airplane and yeah, yeah. stuff like that. That is just like all the jokes are just dumb. They, they <laughs> just like shitty dad jokes and puns and stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. The worst puns imaginable. And it's not, <laughs> it's not really like they're kind of spoofing like these like CSI type shows. These like um, these shows about, about medical police, about like doctors, you know, who are helping, um, like the government or whatever. And it's very outlandish. It's very just big. And, um, and it's so funny. It's so goddamn funny. Um, there is a joke. So like the whole plot of the move of this show is these two doctors get hired by the CDC to track down a virus that is um, that is like being launched on the world by these like uh, terrorists, and so they're globe trotting. Like every episode takes place in like a different country in a different city, and they're just trying to track down these viruses, and <laughs> all these viruses just keep popping up. And one of their friends. Uh, who was a character from Children's Hospital. Uh, She is at this kind of like this America's Got Talent type game show. And she finds out that there is a virus that is is about to go off. And it's going to go off during the filming of this game show. And the the virus is rigged to an open. Um, like an applause meter that the show uses. So when it reaches the high, when the applause meter reaches the highest, then the, the, like the virus goes off. So she goes out on stage cause she's competing in this talent show and she bombs and no one, no one claps for her, for her at all. And she bombs. So like, so this like bomb won't go off. But then while she's performing, she trips and falls off stage and like EMTs show up and the host is like the host of the show is like, are you going to be all right? Are you going to be all right? And she gives a thumbs up and the entire audience just bursts into applause. (laughs) 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 Uh, It is it is so funny and just there's twists and turns just for the sake of twists and turns, but it is so dumb. And because of that, it's just the comedy is just 
constant and I just find myself laughing just so much during this. There is um, there are like cameos and just all like these comedians who are filling up these small roles for each episode. So it's just a delight. Like every episode, there's just a new comedian just shows up and it's is just so funny. It's medical police. Highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> every every time you recommend a comedy, I just like I get a little bit angry that you still don't fucking like Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Why? Because I <laughs> because, because you like some other comedy more than that. Seemingly. <laughs> yeah. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Um, you also really, uh, don't worry about like, like, I, I think that children's hospital is a worthy show to go watch, but if you haven't seen it, you like really don't need to know anything, um, about this world, um, to why kind do you of, think they did that. Why, why did they do like a spinoff on a different, like yeah, Netflix? I, don't I honestly so don't know. I mean, it's the same creators, so yeah. maybe they just started with the spinoff, and then we're like, it'd be really funny if this were like globe trotting police. <laughs> I wonder if it's just like a a meta commentary on those types of shows, because like yeah. shows like ER and stuff like always had their own like other spinoff mm-hmm. shows and stuff. Yeah, and NCIS and and yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. Um, even I saw a. I don't know if you guys watched the Super Bowl. Um, but there was several commercials of 911 Lone Star, which is yeah. a, a spinoff yeah. of of the show 911. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe it is. I, it's weird. That's the thing. It's weird to call this a commentary because I don't think it is. I think that <laughs> I think maybe they used it as a launching off point, but. I just feel like there's nothing, there's nothing intellectual about this show. Yeah. And that, that's something that frustrates me a lot, but the comedy in this show is just so brilliant that, um, it's highly worth it. Um, so yeah. And again, that's on Netflix. So go watch that (laughs) and, and just laugh your fucking heart out. <laughs> There's also a scene where they play po- they play poker basically, but every every move they make, they're just making up rules, and they're like when they place down the hand. <laughs> There's a scene where Rob Hubel, who's one of the main characters, he places down his hand, and he's like, "I got a full goobity goop," and he he places down like 80 cards <laughs> <laughs> that's like definitely straight out of fucking like scary movie and airplane and- oh yeah <laughs> yes yes <laughs> all right uh that's it uh for this episode of credits due uh thank you for joining us and listening in um and i hope you'll join us again for our next film we got a doozy for you guys. Um, I've only seen this movie once and it was in theaters with my young eyes that I didn't know. I didn't know better. <laughs> we are talking about 
Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skulls. Hopefully they won't have this one locked away in the digital vault. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I think it's on Disney Plus because they, oh, nice. they own that now. So, yeah, the vault's open, man. The vault's open. <laughs> uh, hear that, Paramount? Get your shit together. <laughs> um, all right. So until then, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can get in touch with you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler Hohen. Hey, you can find me, Neil, on Twitter at Dino Neilman. And you can listen to my other podcast called Pivotal Tracks, where I interview a musician about a song that they love. You can find that, um, just search Pivotal Tracks on whatever podcast service you use. And until next time, where we'll be diving back into Indiana Jones. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching along. Um, really appreciate it. And until next time, remember, as always, pack up your shit and get out of here now. <laughs> and I don't have experience with revenge. <laughs> <laughs>